Hey, parents, welcome to today's episode. It is all about the Parent Home Plan template. I have made this because so many parents are asking for it, asking for help and what it might look like and how it's structured. And so I'm actually going to just go over it today and I'm giving it away for free. And so it should be available in the show notes or on my website. And it is a work in progress. I've spent years making it just right. And I have a feeling I will continue (laughs) to adjust it because, you know, we're all just learning and growing. So enjoy it. And I can't wait for you to put it into action. Enjoy today. Hello, and welcome to Parenting Post-Wilderness, your guide to parenting struggling teens. I'm your host, Beth Hillman, a mom of five boys, including a post-wilderness teen and a life coach for parents. I will guide you on how to influence lasting change by first understanding the relationship-changing power of focusing on your own behavior instead of futile attempts to control your teens. Parents, the change begins with us. Okay, here we go. The Parent Home Plan. As I've said before, but I'll say it again, the key, the key, the magic, magic piece to effective boundaries and consequences is the parent's commitment and consistency in keeping to what they say they will do. So parents, this document is to help you make uh, a plan of a few select boundaries and consequence scenarios, which is what I call the parent home plan, to help you be your best parent self during high emotion or triggering moments. This is specifically geared to boundaries and consequences, not necessarily expectations. So a few things before we, before we get into the actual template is if anything was possible, anything, what kind of parent would you like to be? I have a few options here. Of course, you can come up with your own. Thoughtful, curious, hopeful, compassionate, understanding, self-aware, emotionally regulated. So when our son was in wilderness, I remember thinking, I just wanted to feel neutral. I just at least wanted to be able to turn off my emotions if I wanted to, because I was in so much pain. I know many of you know what I'm talking about, or all of you. That's actually as far as my brain would take me at the time, was neutral, which is so interesting, right? But really, if I could have anything, if I could feel anything, would I really want to turn my emotions off? Or what about choosing to feel confident? in my son's future, which was a stretch, I get that, or hopeful, peaceful, understanding, empathetic. There are so many wonderful emotions to choose from. If anything was possible, what would you want? I really believe that nothing is too good to be true emotionally, emotion-wise. And of course, my favorite statement is, every present emotion is worth my time. True. But if I'm like looking ahead and planning what kind of emotions would I want to feel about my child? And what do I want? What kind of parent do I want to be? So I like the question is, what is it you most, most want, right? Not like what I want my kid to do or what my kid not to do, but what do you want for you? So several years ago, I decided I wanted to be the kind of parent my children could consistently count on emotionally. 
someone they could bring their struggles to and trust the response would be loving and helpful, truly helpful. And now I am more like that parent, more and more and more. Am I perfect? Heavens no, but I'm more like that parent. I hardly want to yell like ever. And that used to be my go-to. I was a yeller, so emotional, so dramatic, up and down. And I'm just not that much anymore. It's so interesting. It's like, it feels sometimes like a miracle that I didn't even know it was possible until I decided that's what I wanted. And I just kept working toward it and continue, continue to work at emotional regulation, which by the way, does not mean I never feel. It means that I'm willing to feel and then I accept it. I honor it. I appropriately process it. And then I parent when I'm emotionally regulated. That's the huge difference. I hope I've made that clear and I'm happy to make that clear again. Um, that it's not about remaining emotionally consistent all the time. That's definitely what it's all about. It's about accepting your feeling, you know, being upset, being mad. That's all okay. You just don't want to parent from that place. So there's a quote that I love and it's, whatever we ask of our teens, we should be willing to ask of ourselves. Meaning, if I want my teen to be honest, then I too should be honest. If I expect my teen to be respectful, I too should choose to respond to them with respect. If I ask my teen to be trustworthy, I too should ask myself the same. So I just love, love, love that. Okay, so something I have on my template that when you download it, you'll see is I think it's now, not every parent wants to do this, but I think it could be so helpful if your teen is in a decent spot. Maybe they're just coming from wilderness, or maybe they're coming home from an RTC, or maybe they haven't gone yet either way, that there are some really helpful kind of questions. You can help family members. I think this is for all family members. I call it mental health for family members. And I think it's, well, it's just helpful to ask. And if your teens are willing to do this with you, then amazing. Here's some questions. For now, maybe just answer this for yourselves. What specific skills would you like to work on? Like what I just mentioned about like what kind of parent you want to be. What do you need to do to create a healthy path for yourself and your family? What could be the very first step? What do you expect of yourself regarding your continued growth and development? What expectations do you have of your teen regarding them showing up in the relationship in a healthy way. And by the way, if your teens are answering this, it would be, what expectations do you have of your parent? Hmm, interesting. Regarding them showing up in the relationship in a healthy way. If your teen is willing to answer that, you will gain wonderful insight. <laughs> that might be hard to take, but I bet it's honest. The next section is about red flag behavior. This is for you, remember, parents, to fill out as well as your teen. Question is, how can you tell when you are struggling? That is just such a great question. How can you tell when you are struggling? I start to get all up in my head. Um, I start to feel a little anxious. I start to feel like I have no options or that I'm trapped. And it's so helpful for me to know that about myself. So ask yourself that question. Encourage your teen to ask it for them ask themselves that question. Uh, what are some of your own red flag behaviors? Another great question. What are some red flag behaviors that your teen, right, may have 
that are unhelpful to the relationship. And you're, I would love, love, love your teens to answer that same question. What are some red flag behaviors that your parents may have that are unhelpful to the relationship? I know this takes some encouraging to maybe have your teen fill this out. And it's okay if they don't, right? We don't want to make them or, or push them, but we sure can ask and encourage. So here's the next section, a support when struggling. What would be beneficial to you during times of struggle? Remember, this is now I'm asking the parents to answer that for themselves. What would be beneficial to you during times of struggle? Sometimes I just need space. And I know that about myself. So I just ask everyone like, you know what, I'm going to need some time. Thank you for being here, but I need some time. And I just, I just, um, I take space for myself. Next one, what are you open to and agree to do when you are struggling? Like what are some healthy supports? Like, is there a coach you can call or a therapist you can call or running or uh, writing letters or walking or anything, right? What do you agree or or, are open to when you are struggling? Uh, The next one, what is it that you could do for yourself when you are struggling? right? Some self-care. And I mean, actual self-care, um, actual processing of emotions, not just avoiding or buffering. <laughs> In what way do you want to be approached if someone else notices you are struggling? It can be so helpful to know that. Um, you know, some people like um, a helpful hand, on, you know, just like a little squeeze on the shoulder. Or some people want to be asked like, hey, are you okay? What can I do for you? Some people want to be left alone. And I think if we have some of those insights, we can be more helpful to those in our lives. What would be a helpful way to let your teen know you notice them struggling or relating to you in an unhelpful way? Or right for a teen, what would be a helpful way to let your parent know you notice them struggling or relating to you in an unhelpful way? This is such a great question because Um, Like my son and I have made a cognitive pact, you could say, or an understanding that if anything gets heightened or if there's high emotions, we just excuse ourselves. (laughs) And we just, there's no offense to take. It's not disrespectful to me. It's nothing. It's none of those. Um, We just have an agreement. Like if if I start to feel emotional, I'll just say, hey, I'm going to have to pick this up later. I've got to take a minute and he can do the same. And we just have this agreement. So something like that, it's so helpful. Um, And he does this sometimes and I do it sometimes and that's okay. So consequences are important. As we all know, actions do have consequences. Natural consequences are always number one. They're always the most helpful thing. Let the natural consequences um, pan out. Let, Let them take, if, if you will. So what do you feel are appropriate consequences for unhealthy behavior? That's a great question to ask your teen. It is very fascinating to hear your teen's response to this question because you might think uh, they'll answer in like a, yeah, don't consequence me or something like that. But honestly, sometimes teens will answer quite honestly, like, yeah, you should totally take my phone if I've turned off uh, my location, you know, or something like that. And it's interesting if you can, if they can be honest about this, they they know that there should be consequences. They like having consequences because, and I know that doesn't quite make sense, but it is true. Teens really, most teens really thrive on some kind of structure. Some teens thrive on a lot of structure and some teens thrive on not very much. It really does depend on them and 
their gosh, their upbringing and their nuclear family and their traumas and all of that. It has to do with a lot, but it's very, it's so helpful to ask that question. And it's, it will be of great insight uh, if you can get them in the right moment to answer, honestly. Um, go ahead and list some previous unhealthy behavior patterns and what the consequences could be if they are chosen again. I think it's, if you're just really honest with each other, this can be done. It can be really helpful and it can um, help them be accountable for their actions. Okay. So the template is so, so simple. I have very few suggested boundary issues, you know, but you know your family. And here's the great question. What are the key issues you'd like to set clear boundaries around? What do you as the parent tend to get triggered by? And what does your teen tend to struggle with the most, right? Um, the four that I think come up over and over and over and over again, but this may not be for your family and that's okay because not every kid is, you know, struggling with substances. Of course, not every kid uh, has screen issues, right? Not every kid has homework issues and not every kid has curfew issues, but these are the typical ones. And I just said them, but I'll say them again, substances, screens, which are gaming, cell phones, social media, TV, movies, iPads, iPhones, iPods, like all the screens. Then school attendance and homework and curfew. Those do tend to be kind of the ones that parents get triggered on the most or that teens struggle with the most. Uh, And it's so important. That's why I don't just give out like, this is exactly what your boundary and consequence should be. Because I really respect the individual individuality of each family. I just, they're so different. Parents are different. Teens are different. Everyone is so different. And we want to honor that difference. We also want to work toward doing what we say we'll do. So a substance boundary consequence could, could look like testing, of course. Um, It could look like searching your own home, searching room, throwing out any drugs that you find, any substances that you find. It could look like not leaving on the weekends, not leaving your teenagers alone. It could look like that. That's okay. That's something you can control. Substances are really tricky because there is no way for you to set a boundary like you can't take drugs. It you 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 can't you just don't have control over that and I'm so sorry, but you just don't. But you can have control over some things, right? Like the things I just mentioned. And that's where I like to offer the boundaries is, and you can request that. You can say, please don't, please don't do drugs in our home. That is absolutely an expectation. But the idea is if you find the drugs, well, then there's consequences. You can throw them away. You can ground your kid. You can do those things. But to say, you know, you just have to be careful what you have control of and what you don't. Okay. Uh, screens, I think they're getting to be more and more like a necessity, but I like to remind parents the screens are actually a privilege, just like talking on the phone was for us. It was, it was a privilege. Uh, so remember that, right? Our kids don't deserve their phones. They think they do. (laughs) They think it's an appendage, but I'd like to offer that it's not. Um, and if you have any questions about that, there's this wonderful book that I recommend over and over and over again. Um, in fact, it's one of the books I'm going to give away in my 
survey. Um, but it's by uh, Crystal Collier. She is a doctor, therapist, researcher, educator. And the book is called The Neuro Whereabouts Guide. And it is fascinating. And you will want to boundary those screens after you read it. <laughs> and it's not like a front to back read. It has, definitely has like chapters you could just skim through and stuff. I like to hook screens to school attendance, right? If you go to school, you get your screens. Uh, if you don't go to school, you don't get your screens. Screens are privileges. So I think um, school is a necessity and screens are privileges. So that's what I like to do. Hey, if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. But it, I have seen it work uh, very well. Uh, and then, of course, there's curfew. The idea is that you set the curfew. And uh, curfew to me isn't curfew with phones, like curfew with friends, but you do you, your language, um, you know, and curfew has to do with friends. And so, you know, if they're late for curfew, maybe you take their phone away or maybe they just don't hang out with friends the next day or you take the car away or something that you've control over. Um, there's lots of different ways to create boundaries around these these four or five um, different issues. And like I said, it's so different for families. So um, if you want help with that, um, just a phone call and program away. Okay, let's talk about friends for a second. You unfortunately cannot possibly track which friends your teen is hanging out with and when. Even if you have their location device on, even if they're at, you know, Sally's house. <laughs> It's funny, probably no one's named Sally these days, but um, you still don't know if Sally's there even, or maybe they left their phone at Sally's house. You just don't know. What you can do about friends, and I know this is so hard because so many of you want to boundary certain friends. I get it. But it's something you actually don't have any control over. And so let me just continue. You can and should have multiple and open conversations with them about their friends how they feel when they are with certain friends and the choices they tend to make around certain friends. This is an important ongoing conversation. And just remember, we want to teach and encourage self-governing when it comes to choosing good friends. This is a lifelong skill that takes practice and failure. You know, sometimes they'll choose a friend and they'll literally dump them or leave them in an alley or not give them a ride home and that friends' actions will speak for themselves. And if you let that happen, that is just way worth a thousand times more than your words, right? And let me just say this. We can share our opinion about certain friends, but please, please choose your timing very wisely because parents' opinions shared in haste, shared in anger, or shared in fear can trigger your teen to defend their, you know, quote, drug lord, quote, unquote, buddy. And you just don't want that to happen. You don't want to push your kids to defending, you know, the friend you're trying to, you know, have this opinion about. Parents' opinions shared from an authentic and open place, a heart at peace, can influence great change and encourage deep and healthy conversations. So it's not about keeping your mouth shut. It's about working on your own way of being first and then expressing yourself. They don't have to listen to you, right? But if you're coming from an authentic and open place, if you're coming from a heart at peace, you can say, hey, Jacob, I really want to talk to you about Sam 
I want to talk to you about, you know, the kind of decisions you're making with him. And, you know, if you're open and not accusatory of this Sam friend, just as examples, right? Then they may act, your friend, your child may actually be more open to sharing. That's, that's what you're looking for. You're looking to help your teen turn on their own mind and their own self-governing skills about their friends. That's the ultimate goal. So with friends, you can help help your teen sort out what's a green friend, which is like a friendly, easygoing, great person, in your opinion, uh, in their opinion. A yellow friend is like, oh, we don't super trust them, but they haven't done anything crazy yet, but I don't know. And then a red friend would be somebody that has in the past like gotten, you know, um, been a bad influence, right? But so you can, you can sort friends. I know lots of um, therapists do that. They suggest to sort their friends into like green, yellow, and red. It's very helpful if your teen does this and not you, but you maybe do it with them. But I have seen this change over the years. Sometimes we think a green friend, whoever's a green friend, uh, turns out to be maybe not so green. And I've seen red friends, quote, you know, put in friends that are put in the red category. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a second, they're actually changing and they've made some improvements and you find out you've actually changing your mind about them. So be prepared to be pretty open about those green, yellow, and red friends because turns out judgments change. People change. So be open about that. Um, I have on here places as well. You can like assign places to green, yellow, and red. Um, environments have a very large impact on our nervous system. So if they sold drugs, sorry, I keep going to substances, but if something else happened uh, at the mall, then the mall might be a trigger for them. And so, you know, but again, even if the location is on, you can't make, you just can't control whether your kid goes or not. You can sure try. You can. Um, You can refuse rides. Like I refuse to take you to the mall, but you know, if you get there on your own, that's your choice, but we'd really, uh, we'd really encourage you not to go, you know, absolutely say that. Um, But you can't, make them do that. So as I've said before, the home plan, the boundaries, they have to be in your control. If they're not, they're expectations. And that's fine. By all means, say, hey, we expect you to not go to the mall. Okay. And if we find out you've gone to the mall, then we will do X. That's fine. Okay. Um, I want to, there's a part in there about family activities. I think it's incredibly important to choose fun Choose to have fun on purpose. Choose to have zero agenda sometimes. Choose to just be with your kid. You know, uh, dinner time, make dinner time fun. Uh, try not, I guess, if you can, try not to have hard conversations over dinner. I think that's a pretty good general rule. Keep it light. Keep it fun. Have hard conversations at a different time. Um, enjoy each other. <laughs> um, connect and relate. That is part of of a parent's job, I think, is to really try to connect. Um, so try to do that, but let go of your expectation and, and agenda and just be there. If your kid feels like relating, great. If he doesn't, that's okay. He's going to do it another time. Um, I want you to really consider the family relationships and the relationships in all the families and really ask yourself, what kind of relationships would I like to foster and create? It can blow parents and people's minds when they realize they get to choose how they feel 
about any and all the relationships. That may have just blown your mind. You get to choose. Sometimes I have to remind myself, I actually can choose love right now. I can. I can choose to love right now. I don't have to choose to be offended. I can choose love. Just just know that and remember that. And also think about like, what kind of activities do my family, does my family like? Is everyone getting a turn? Would I want to be around my family? Would I want to be around myself? That's such a great question. And am I trying, am I building or am I creating or are we creating a safe and non-judgmental space to share? Hmm. And that's it. That's, that's the home plan. Um, some of the other items, of course, are, or the things that follow up, of course, follow through, which I have discussed in length. Um, but I, that really is the quintessential piece. Um, I love once a week check-ins, which is a nice designated place to, to talk, have hard conversations. I'm actually going to be doing a podcast on how to run a weekly check-in if you'd like. And by the way, these are just ideas and, and just simple suggestions. I really, really believe truly that it Whatever you do create, it needs to be in alignment with you and with your family. So if this doesn't resonate, no worries. No worries at all. This is just something that might resonate. So please keep that in mind. This is not a have to in any way, shape, or form. I am definitely not into controlling parents, (laughs) but it is a suggestion if you want it. Thank you for being with me here today. And remember, the PDF should be on either my website bethhillmancoaching.com or uh, probably on the show notes. Enjoy. Have a wonderful day. Hey there. Thank you for joining me today. If you know a struggling parent, please share this with them. If you have any questions or want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at bethhillmancoaching or through my website, bethhillmancoaching.com. And remember parents, the change begins with us.